You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Okay, so I'm, I'm Pastor Brad. I'm the youth pastor here. So I want to start this morning by having some audience participation. <laughs> so we're going to play the game, Would You Rather? Because I'm the youth pastor and I can do these things. I like playing games. So it's pretty simple. Um, if you haven't played this game, I'm going to give you a choice of two things. And then you have to decide which one you would rather do. So raise your hand for the option or the choice that suits you best. So we're going to start with an easy one. Would you rather eat peas or Brussels sprouts? So who's peas? Brussels sprouts. All right. I like Brussels sprouts. They're pretty good, especially with bacon and maple syrup. <laughs> you can hardly taste the Brussels sprouts anymore. <laughs> All right, so people at home as well, you have to participate in this, you know. Like, comment on the video. Give me your options here. All right. Would you rather fight a grizzly bear or a boa constrictor? Ooh, tricky. So who would rather fight a bear? <laughs> and who would rather fight a boa constrictor? Oh, that's pretty even, actually. I, I'd love to go into depth with you about your choices and how you come to these conclusions here. Um, would you rather be able to jump a kilometer up into the air or hold your breath for an hour? Have that ability. So would you rather be able to jump up in the air a kilometer? Big high jumps. Or would you rather be able to hold your breath for an hour? Sweet. I think, I, I think I'd like to hold my breath because then you could, you could go swimming. Like That'd be pretty awesome. All right. Um, okay. Would you rather be able to only eat white rice for the rest of your life or see the world only through different shades of beige? <laughs> okay, white rice. Wow, you guys really... Whew. Okay, or beige. <laughs> That'd be a one weird type of color blindness, that's for sure. All right, uh... Okay, here's, here's the last one. Would you rather walk into an unavoidable bad situation with full knowledge that it was about to happen, or would you have it, would you have it to be a surprise? So, full knowledge, walking into it, or would you rather have it be a complete surprise? That's interesting. All right. To know what it, what's coming before it happens... Might be a good thing, right? Because then you can prepare for it, but at the same time, you can also stress about it. <laughs> and I want to tell you something that is definitely coming. As a follower of Jesus, your life will not be easy. <laughs> Yay! Celebrate! Rejoice! Yeah. <laughs> Jesus never promised us endless peace and puppy cuddles because He promised us instead that we will have tribulation. He says that a few times. And we will have trials that we will go through no matter what. And it's been a common theme throughout all of history. As long as there has been followers of Jesus, as long as there has been people to tell about Jesus, there has been a trail of suffering, trials, and even martyrdom, dying for your faith. 
If you read in the Bible, the book of Philippians, you see Paul, if you read closely, he's in jail. And not, not a comfortable jail cell, but like literally, it's a hole in the ground. It's dark. It's dirty. It's, it's probably very damp and it's full of little critters screwing around in the dark. But you never know from the amount of joy that he has in this book, in this letter. Or read the book of First Peter. And you read Peter encouraging his readers to stand strong in the face of trials and opposition. If you read the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Has anyone had, had a chance to read that one? It's pretty interesting. You find stories of Christians through the ages who have stood strong in their faith and died because they would not renounce the name of their Lord, of the name of Jesus. And shoot, you read the news now, and you'll find stories of Christians in India, China, Afghanistan, Iran, and other places where they are imprisoned, they are fined, their property is taken away, and they are still sometimes being killed simply because they follow Jesus. Suffering, trials will happen. When John wrote down his vision and sent seven letters to different churches, there was persecution against Christianity in the Roman Empire. The church, by and large, was facing these hardships, both from Jews, who were angry at Christians because they were not real Jews, and from the Roman government because Christians refused to worship their pagan gods. And so the letter to the church in Smyrna was the second letter that Jesus told John to write down. I want to give you a little bit of a background about this, this amazing city. Smyrna was a thriving port city with strong ties to Rome. And it's actually a city that still exists today under the name of Izmar, or Izmir, something like that, in modern-day Turkey. So it's interesting. You could actually go and you can see the ruins of ancient Smyrna. It was a city that had been totally destroyed about 700 years previous to John writing his letter to them, but it had been rebuilt around 300 B.C., it knew about death and being brought back as if the city itself had been resurrected. Around this, the year 195 B.C., the city really wanted to become friends with Rome and hang out more. They wanted to chill together. And because there was no ties between the cities between at this point in time, the city of Smyrna had to prove their loyalty to big, important Rome. Now, they did this like any reasonable city would. They created a cult and a temple to worship Rome. So just like when we want to be friends with someone, we start worshiping them, right? No. But they actually honestly did this. They deified the city of Rome and all the, the values and the importance of it in this goddess called Roma. Now, it's very, and it's, it's very likely that the Smyrnians actually literally created a god to really impress Rome and show how woke they were. They really wanted to chill out with the Romans. And over the years, Rome worship and worship of dead Roman emperors went really deep into this culture. And in AD 26, so when Jesus was alive in Israel, there was a competition for building a temple to, the, to honor the emperor Tiberius. And Smyrna won that honor of building this temple. And it joined the other temples that were already in the city uh, dedicated to Zeus, Sibyl, Aphrodite, Dionysius. <laughs> In short, this city was very committed to sucking up to Rome. It was very all about the Roman Empire. 
And so part of the culture of this city meant that everyone, and I mean everyone, was involved in worshiping Rome and the dead emperors. This was just as much part of the culture as eating and drinking and celebrating and going about your business. This was, this was everyday life for the people that lived in this city. And so as the Christian church was planted and grew in numbers and, and in, in strength, this would obviously become a major point of conflict in them, for them. As Christians would not take part in these gatherings and celebrations because they involved worshiping false gods. Now, according to a guy named William Barclay, emperor worship grew to be a compulsory thing, and that every year, every citizen of Smyrna would need to go to the temple, they would take a bit of incense and burn it, and say, Caesar is Lord. After this, they would re actually receive a certificate, supposedly, and they could go on their way and do as they pleased. But this was something that Christians would not do. They could not, and they would not, give the name of Lord to someone who was human. And it is thought that this was one of the reasons why the church in Smyrna was so poor and why it faced perhaps more intense persecution. The Christians wouldn't have these certificates that would make them able to do business with other people. You know, people that were doing business transactions look, do you have your certificate? Are you an upstanding citizen? And Christians obviously would not have these, have these certificates, and so they were not upstanding citizens in Rome's eyes. They would not be able to hold a job, perhaps. They would not be able to protect their own houses and land. And so with all these temples, and plus the other trappings of a large cosmopolitan city, Smyrna was known for its beauty, and the inhabitants were very proud of their city. It had been written about as the crown of Asia, and in having a crown of porticos. They had what was called the Golden Road, and it was dotted with all these amazing temples to false gods. And it was built kind of on a hillside, and so there were big temples and big palaces on the top of this hill, which would look perhaps like a crown. And it seemed that the people who lived there enjoyed a very high class of living. And it was, it's, it's been hypothesized that they might have, that the citizens might have used actual crowns on their heads to show off their rank and their class. And so perhaps it wasn't even uncommon for as you were going through this city to see people wearing bronze, silver, even gold crowns as they made their way through their city doing their business. One of the chief exports of this city was myrrh. But you might remember, you know, the wise men gave Jesus along with frankincense and gold. And this is where the city got its name from, actually, because the word for myrrh in Greek is Smyrna. Myrrh was something that was used to prepare body, bodies for burial, among other things. And with myrrh being such a commodity here, being this chief export, combined with his huge pantheon of pagan gods that to worship, it seems that the city was very aware, very woke, if you will, and some would say very infatuated with the ideas of death and resurrection. There was also a large Jewish population there who enjoyed religious freedom in the Roman Empire. And I was reading this was because simply the Romans didn't want the, the Jews to revolt. And so they said, okay, you can have exemption. You don't have to worship Caesar. Just, just stay put. Don't get angry at us. And it, so the Jews 
could do what they wanted. And obviously at the beginning, Christianity was seen kind of as a, as a sect of Judaism. But the Jews in Smyrna did not like the Christians at all. And I've read the red history of, of them actually aiding the Romans and persecuting the Christians. And so with all these things in mind, this history, this culture that I've just outlined here, let's read the, the letter in the book of Revelation. And I want to see if you can see some of the connections between Jesus' words and the city that it was written to. And so in Revelation 2, verse 8 to 11, let's read together. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You that You've given us Your Word that we can study. Not just so that we can know about Your Word, but that we can know You. And that we can draw closer to You, Father. And I pray, Jesus, through these words, through Your Holy Spirit, I pray that You would draw us close to You today. That You would encourage us, challenge us, convict us as we study. In Your name we pray. Amen. So I'm I kind of hope that you, you might have picked out a few things that, that Jesus said that were in direct relationship to what the city was about. And so I want to point out a few things that Jesus says here, just kind of as we go through these verses. So at the first, uh, verse 8, it says, And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Jesus, the risen Lord, was the true resurrection. The city of Smyrna may have been rebuilt and and resurrected, and people may have been proud of that, but Jesus, the sovereign king, ruled over that city. Before the city was there, Jesus was. After the city is gone, Jesus still will be. Numerous times in the book of Isaiah, God refers to himself as the first and the last. Isaiah 48, 12 and 13 says, Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am He. I am the first and the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. God identifies Himself as this to show that He is the one who is in power. That He is the Creator and the Sustainer of the whole world. When Jesus goes to Mary and Martha after he hears that Lazarus has died, he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus alone holds the power and the control over life and death. No city and no situation is bigger than Jesus. Earlier in the book of Revelation, when John first sees Him, 
Jesus says to John himself, fear not. Because I can imagine that would be kind of frightening, frightening to see Jesus actually. But he says, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. If Jesus holds the keys to death, that means that He has control and power over it. What shall we say then? Nothing has more power over us than Jesus' grip on our lives. No trials or hardships are bigger than Jesus. He can be trusted throughout everything. Let's go on to verse 9 in the Revelation passage here. And it says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and for ten days you will have tribulation. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. And we're going to come back to the part about being rich in just a little bit. So hold that thought. But right off the top, I'm going to briefly touch on the reference to ten days. And I'm going to be really honest. Lots of people have lots of different opinions about what that means. Very many opinions. I honestly read so many different things about what it might mean. And all the way from it could mean a literal 10 days. So a very short amount of time. Um, it could mean you know, maybe a metaphorical short amount of time based on the other uses of the number 10 in the, in the Bible. But then I also read on the other hand that it could also mean a long period of time based on the other uses of the number 10 in the Bible. I don't know. People have also hypothesized that it might mean the persecution of Christians led by ten different Roman emperors throughout history. So take your pick. (laughs) I'm not going to try and convince you of one interpretation. Uh, Suffice to say, we will be tested and we will have some length of of tribulation. So enough about that. I'm going to state this now. Jesus knows our situation, whatever we happen to might be going through at the time, He knows our trials and our tribulation, and He knows what has caused it. This is not surprising to Him. The fact, that fact alone should give us strength. If Jesus knows about it, that means He's allowing it to happen. In verse 10 of this passage, Jesus tells them that they do not need to fear the suffering that is coming Because it will be a test for them. Now, suffering is one of those things that is really hard to understand. right? We don't really know why it's happening. Especially when it happens to us. We always question, like, what's going on? Why is this? Why, 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 why? You know, and we cry out to the heavens. Some people would believe that people who suffer deserve it because they did something bad. You know, this idea of karma... You know, you give, you know, what comes around goes around, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think that's always the case, though. Right? There's always that question that reminds or remains in our mind why do bad things happen to good, good people? You know, and I, I, and to be honest, I don't know. And I'm not going to answer this whole big question because that's, that's a huge question. And I don't, I don't know why kids die from diseases. I, I don't know why natural disasters happen. 
and, and kill hundreds or thousands of people, and I, I don't know why COVID is, is the current reality that we live in. I do know, I do know this, that God's ways are good, but unknowable. <laughs> in Isaiah 55, it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is not to give a, a cheap answer to a very tough question, but it is to say that perhaps we will find out the reason behind a tough situation, or we will not find out until we are with the Lord on the other side of eternity. I do know this, though. Jesus, by His Holy Spirit, is always with us. He walks with us. In Matthew 28, 20, it promises us that He will be with us to the end of the age as we do His will. In Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, the writer tells us that Jesus has promised us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And we don't have to fear what people do against us. Now I find it strangely reassuring to know that Jesus Himself suffered and died unjustly. He didn't want to get crucified. You know, before He went to the cross, He prayed that if it was possible, that God would take this cup, this, this thing that He had to do he would take it away from him. He didn't want to do this, and he wanted, if there was some other way to accomplish this goal, let's do that way instead. But yet, he went along with God's plan because he knew that's what needed to happen. He suffered. Jesus is always with us, and he has been through unjust suffering. And if that's the case, we're in pretty good company if Jesus is with us. And so this is where Jesus tells the church, do not fear what you are about to suffer. And again I ask you, would you rather know what's coming or be caught unaware? If Jesus has been through it all and He tells us not to be afraid, can we trust Him? Can we trust the Word of God when Paul writes in Philippians 1, 29 and 30, this is what Paul writes, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. It has been granted to us that we should suffer. Can we stand without fear when we know that we have been granted, we have been given the opportunity to suffer for Christ. And I want us to know that sometimes our hardships can bring about good things. All right, Our trials, our tribulations, and how we react to those situations can bring about good things. So again, going back to Philippians, this is, prob this is amazing. Paul writes that his time in prison, as he's writing this letter, he's in prison, and he writes that his time in prison has really served to advance the Gospel. 
so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, everyone who has ever guarded Paul, and to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Good things were coming from the fact that Paul was in prison. What kind of good things might come from the trials and the struggles and the suffering that we go through. So not only does our trials serve to advance the gospel at times, it also strengthens and purifies our faith. And so Peter writes in 1 Peter, his first letter, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Peter talks about the trials that people face, the people that he was writing to were facing trials, And it seems to me, to be honest, that he's just kind of being casual about it. He's just throwing that out there. Being grieved by various trials. You know, a little of this, a little of that. It's kind of like a mixed pack of imprisonment, beatings, exiles, and beheadings. Just, you know, whatever. Just various trials. He, He just wanted to kind of lump it all together to keep it simple. But when you think about it, when he was writing his letter to people around the known world, Suffering for your Christian faith was normal. It was part and parcel with becoming a Christian. And people knew what they were getting into when they accepted Jesus as their Lord because they saw other Christians suffering for it. They went into it with open eyes. Suffering and hardships are something that God allows to bring about good as well as to make our faith Genuine. When we go through hard times and face it with faith and trust in God, the world observes that faith. And they might not see that faith, that strength in our faith, if we're living in good times, if we're living easy lives. So let's go back to that part about being rich. When Jesus says that He knows of this church's poverty but yet they are rich. He's talking about being rich in faith. As I said, this church probably was very poor. The word that is actually used here for poverty means absolutely destitute. Reduced to begging. This church was poor. It's not like us saying, "Ah, I'm so poor I can't even go to the movies. Or I can't can't afford the, the new album or who who buys music anymore i just stream it sorry that was a bad example i'm i'm old so <laughs> this church was very poor that's not to say they were hopeless though all right don't get me wrong there in james 2 verse 5 james writes listen my beloved brothers has not god chosen those who are poor in the world to be fit, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him These Christians in Smyrna knew what it was to trust God with everything. Their next meal was going to be supplied by God. Not by their own means. 
when you have nothing left. <laughs> There's no other way to go than to trust someone, Jesus, bigger than yourself. And so I ask us, can we truly say we are rich in faith? When we are short of money or when we're going through a tough and challenging time, what's the first thing we do? And I confess, I don't always think of praying and trusting God as my first option. I have a feeling though that the church in Smyrna had very lively prayer meetings. <laughs> when they met together, it wasn't a quiet, reserved group that um, had a potluck. Nothing wrong with potlucks. But it was one that knew that their very lives depended on God. And so they let it be known that their faith and trust was solely on God. And so the next words in the letter, in the book of Revelation, would have been a promise these Christians clung to. And Jesus says to them, side note, can you imagine getting a letter actually from Jesus? <laughs> Whew, that'd be good. And then Jesus actually saying, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The Apostle Peter was crucified. Possibly upside down because he didn't consider himself worthy of dying in the same manner as Jesus. The Apostle James was probably executed by the sword by a Roman soldier. Paul was probably beheaded by the Emperor Nero. And I could go on. All the original disciples and apostles, probably except John, died a martyr's death. They were faithful unto death. They knew what they were getting into. As Jesus had said to them in Matthew 10.22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then Paul writes again in Philippians, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I love that verse. These men knew what, that to remain faithful to Christ, and that they would first live their lives all in, for Christ, knowing that when the day came, death would probably not be pleasant, but it would mean that they would get to be with Christ and to receive their crown. Paul talks of this when he says later in Philippians, I press on toward the, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. James spells it out this way, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Okay, I want to skip forward in history just a few years, and I want to tell you about a man named Polycarp. He was the pastor of the church in Smyrna, probably at a later time than when this letter was written. But he did, however, know the Apostle John and was probably discipled by him in his younger years. That's according to church tradition. When the emperor Marcus Aurelius came to power in AD 161, 
Um, he revived fierce persecution against Christians. He didn't like Christians and he wanted them dead. And he demanded that Polycarp was found, arrested, and executed. And tradition holds that under the insistence of his congregation in Smyrna, Polycarp hid in a small village and on a farm of some of his friends. And eventually, though, the Romans found him. And instead of trying to escape, Polycarp went out to greet them and ordered that food and drink be served to them. Sounds like a good Mennonite. Very hospitable. He asked for some time to pray before they took him away to be executed. And according to a story that I read, according to the tradition, he asked for an hour, but because he was, you know, just so into it and, and full of the Holy Spirit, they let him pray for two hours. And they were kind of confused as to why they were coming to arrest this really old man with, you know, like swords and spears, because he was really old. <laughs> but they took him away back to where they were going to execute him. And when he was about to be burned, that's how it happened, he was told that he could deny Christ and walk away a free man. And Polycarp was quoted as saying, for 86 years I have served Jesus Christ and He has never abandoned me. How could I curse my blessed King and Savior? And with that, the fire was lit underneath him. And when the flames failed to consume him, a soldier took his spear and finished him off. As I said at the beginning, persecution against faithful believers has not stopped. That's not something that only happened in ancient history. If you go to a website like Voice of the Martyrs, you'll find reports of Christians being bit, beaten and put in prison because they refuse to be silent about their faith. Even today, they refuse to deny the Lord. So what are we to do with this? It's kind of a heavy sermon, I know. To pick out key phrases in the letter to the church of Smyrna, if we have ears, we can hear what Jesus is saying. So I'm going to shorten this down. I know your tribulation, Jesus says. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. You will be tested and have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The one who conquers will not be hurt. An encouragement and a challenge. And I want to end with this later on. And it says in Revelation 21, 6 and 7, And he said to me, It is done! I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. To the one who conquers, to the faithful follower, God will give the crown of life, the water of life, and he will receive an inheritance that will not fade. Mm -hmm.